Good morning. How are you guys doing? Well, my family and I, we had just returned from a two-and-a-half-week international trip to Asia where we'd completed the adoption of our second daughter from China. And on this particular morning, we'd only been home for a couple of days, and I sat down at this conference hotel to breakfast with the rest of our church staff and our families, and I looked at my pastor at the time, and I asked him this question. I said, how do you do it? How do you balance this family and ministry thing? How do you make sure that your kids do not become a casualty of ministry? Now, I think back to that day, and I wonder, like, what was going on that I asked that question on that day? Was it a serious case of reverse culture shock? Was it the stress of adding child number two to our family? More likely than not, it was probably just a good case of jet lag. But it was obvious that was what was on my mind that day. You see, if you're like me, you've seen some wonderful examples of families who've weathered the storms of ministry really well. And then there are others, we sit back and we're scratching our heads wondering what happened. And I'm sure there's some of you in this room that you fit into one of those two categories. And so we're trying to figure this out. We come to conferences, we read books, we read blogs. How do we balance family and ministry? We're still trying to figure it out. What is the magical formula? If you're like me, you're a Western American, and tell me what the formula is. I will do it. And just like a good Disney movie, we'll end happily ever after. But it just doesn't work that way. You see, we're in this post-Christian culture now uh, where things are completely different. The things that we struggled with are completely different than what our kids did. The things that they're dealing with are completely foreign to us. And we've now made assumptions about this generation and I want to share a couple of those with you. One assumption is that uh, there's a growing number of kids who grew up in the church that when they get in their teenage years, they're going to leave it and they're never going to return. You've heard that one. Another assumption that a lot of us make is this millennial generation, they're lazy, they're entitled. So I want to talk about those two. The first assumption actually is completely true. In 2013, the Barna Group released a study where they asked kids who grew up in the church um, about their church life. Three out of five of them, almost 59% of them said that some point in their lives they disconnected from church life somewhere around the age of 15. It's completely true. The second assumption is that our kids are somehow hanging out in our basements or their parents' basements. They're playing Pokemon Go on social media, Snapchatting, all of that. And that actually is not true. Just this month, Barna released another study that asked 600 parents this question. How often do your kids volunteer or serve in some capacity? And what they found was 26% of those kids uh, said they serve at least once every other month, 25% serve at least once a month, and 17% serve at least once a week. And then they asked, what kinds of activities are you doing? 42% of them said that they serve in a local church or some sort of ministry-oriented activity. Our kids are not lazy. They're not entitled. Here's the question for us as ministry leaders, whether you have kids yourself or you're leading these families in our churches, is how do we make sure that first assumption comes true and the second one does not? How do we make sure that our kids are engaged in serving in the church with us and they don't leave it? It's a million-dollar question. And so back to that breakfast, it was 2001, and that was 15 years ago. A lot has changed in 15 years. I'm no longer parenting 
toddlers. I'm now parenting teenagers. I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. My wife in that time, we've made a lot of mistakes. And hopefully we've done a few things right. But a couple years ago, I asked my oldest daughter this question. I said, Selah, what do you want to be when you grow up? She looked at me. Complete honestly, she says, Dad, I want to be a famous worship leader. I knew we had some work to do. You see, in her young years, I had been a worship pastor in Indiana. She'd been around that all of her life. By the age of eight, she was playing drums at 11, guitar, piano, and voice. And what she was saying to me is, Dad, I have this dream. I want to be a worship leader like Corey Asbury or Mia Fields. I'm sorry if you guys are in the room. She actually wanted to be like Carrie Job. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we had this conversation on that day how worship and fame really are in opposition with each other. But that's not why I share that story. I share that story as a really proud dad because she's spending 10 to 15 hours a week here in our church, serving our church, leading worship for kids and student ministries. She's actually leading worship tonight over in the tent. And when she said yes, and I knew this was a calling and a passion in her life, I knew I had a job to do as well. As a pastor, but more importantly, as a dad, my role was to instill in her values and beliefs about the local church that would shape her serving for years to come. And so I want to share a couple of those with you this morning. First of all, number one, serve the church and don't go to work. You know, we sometimes get this bad rap as pastors that we hang out at Starbucks all day, drink coffee, and just have conversations. We all love when we can do that. But there's more to it than that. This is our job and we get paid for it, but there's something about this. This is a sacred calling that we have. I love the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 2. It's shaped really how I work in ministry. It says, be shepherds of God's flock under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing. Not because you must but because you're willing. Here's the question for all of us. Are you serving your churches today because you must, because it's your job? Or are you doing it because it's your joy? It's a privilege. Or as Chick-fil-A would say, it's my pleasure, right? The second thing is ministry is something that unites us. Very early on, my wife and I made this decision to refrain from saying no when our kids asked if they could go with us, whether that was to the grocery store or running errands. And, you know, in that season, I would often come, time, come home early for dinner and then head back for worship rehearsal or a ministry event. And more times than not, Selah would look at me and say, Dad, can I go with you? Now, inside, I'm rolling my eyes going, really? It was very inconvenient. I'd much rather you stay home with your mom and watch Blue's Clues right now. But we made the decision to say yes more than we said no. And as a result of that, she sat through probably hundreds of worship rehearsals, and eventually she became a part of those worship rehearsals. You know what that taught her? Is ministry is something that draws us together. It's not something that pulls us apart. And the third thing is this. Love Jesus and love the church. Seems like a no-brainer, right? But here's what I've seen more often than not. There are kids growing up in our churches that love Jesus, but they become frustrated with the church. 
they become disillusioned with a church. You know, our jobs sometimes can be really frustrating. People can be frustrating. Have you figured that out yet? Anybody say amen. And if we're not careful, we bring that home with us. That bleeds over to the dinner table, and our kids are really smart. They can figure us out. They know us really well. And if we are not careful, we bring home the very worst about the church instead of the very best about the church. So I love Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flow from it. Guard your hearts, people. Leaders, guard your hearts. Guard your kids' hearts. Shape what they believe about the local church. I want to end with this. Back to that story at breakfast in 2001. Here's what my pastor said. He said, include your kids in your ministry. Let it unite you, not divide you. Here's the question I have for you. Are you creating a culture in your families? Are you creating a culture in your staff and in your church where ministry is something that pulls us together and unites us? Thank you.